Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. And, you know, Larry, for a while there back in April, I didn't know if we'd be saying that again. Oh, (laughs) with me as always is Larry Sims. Oh, hey, what's up? No, I'm just kidding. Hello, nurse. I mean, Eric. Wow, you had to say nurse, huh? I know. Oh, that's (laughs) (laughs) how fitting, right? How fitting. Um, Those of you who listen to the show know that in March 27th, I had my leg surgery, which Larry went great. Only one day in the hospital. That's amazing. Hmm? That's amazing. For a major surgery like I had, yeah. So I had a wound vac in me. So, you know, fix up all the surgery stuff. Right, that right. That lasted a week. Then I just had this other tube to collect fluid. Right. And supposed- uh, hmm? uh, Well, I was just going to say, it, it, you, were one day out, you were one day in the hospital after your operation. But then, uh, just like kind of fast forward to uh, last week, what happened? You, okay. you kind of so revisited last it. Last week, around Monday of last week, I started getting really sick. Come Thursday night, I had a fever of 102. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had a fever of 103 because <laughs> you're hot-blooded. Hot-blooded. <laughs> so they rushed me to the, we rushed me to the emergency room. I get admitted in the hospital again. There was the... <laughs> The chief of surgery at that hospital, it's like, you got a bad infection of your leg, you need surgery. Ooh. But he calls my surgeon at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh no. From what I hear, they got into a major argument over the phone. Ooh. And then they ended up sending me to another hospital that day where my doctor works at. She looked over everything, was like, yeah, you don't need surgery. Here's some antibiotics and fluid. Oh, man. So Monday, I get home. And yeah, man, that's pretty much it. Two hospital stays in one month. That's, you know, that's pretty good, Eric. I mean, you're kind of catching up with, I don't know who, but you're catching up with with somebody out there. So that's good. I was so depressed while in the hospital. I was like. You know, maybe I should do the second time. Maybe I should like start ranking hospitals. <laughs> right. you know, the staff, yeah, they get an A plus at this one. You, you should, should start your own YouTube channel, Rating Hospitals. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and, and by the way, uh, we, uh, before we started, uh, started our show, you, you did mention about you got out Monday. And then when did you go see? What did you go see? Well, no, here's the funny thing. I had another tube in my leg two weeks ago. It was supposed to last two weeks. It only stayed in a week. It, it popped it out, fell right? out on its own, but that was normal. The body rejected it. That was Thursday at around 11. Thursday at 3, after this tragic thing happens, <laughs> I went to go see Us, the new Jordan Peele movie. Uh-huh. Now, and again, this week, Still got to wrap my leg up, keep it clean. Yeah. Slight infection. Today, I went to go see Pet Cemetery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, Eric, I just, I feel really bad 
about me not having such an exciting life <laughs> like you. I mean, man. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're okay. And Thank it's, you for it's all your texts and stuff while I was in there, man. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what friends are for. Say you. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, well, we'll do that later. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's good to be back on the air. We took like a little break, you know, since your surgery and your subsequent hospital visit. Um, visits. Visits with an S. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice. Um, it's good to be interviewing again. You yeah. know, every time, every time we get on the show, there's always somebody or something that we talk about that just pumps me up. And, and you know, Eric, we're on a roll with, with our, our guests and how lucky we are. Definitely. We are so stinking lucky, especially this week, because um, we have... We have an artist. We have a biog, uh, not a biographer. <laughs> we have an artist. We have an author, actually, um, and and she's really uh, an inspiring person. Um, and let's just get right into it, um, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, thank you for joining us on the show. Our guest this week is Miss Love. Miss Love, are you there? How you doing, boy? Good. How are you? Thanks for coming on the I'm show. I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. I okay. First of all, I love your accent. By the way, <laughs> from Tennessee. Awesome. Tennessee. Very nice. Very nice. By way, uh, Tennessee. Where? Well, it was Charleston for a while. Okay. How far is that from Nashville? Um, I don't know because I was a child, so I. Then it was from Tennessee to Virginia and then to Philadelphia. So it's just been in my family line for so long that it's just in the blood. So I don't remember much Tennessee. I mean, I just know that's where most of my family originated from. And then Virginia and then Pennsylvania. Very oh. nice. Very nice. So um, you, you have a super, super inspiring and very, very interesting story. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, first of all. Well, a little bit about myself in a nutshell. Most of my, my early part of my life was, was difficult. Um, I was raised in foster care. There was a big fire when I was a child and my mother lost our home and couldn't take care of us. So we all were split up in foster homes and that was, that was difficult. And I, was always, I would always write. I wrote stories when I was a child. And I always would write a happy ending to the stories I would write. And it would just make me feel better. And I found a lot of comfort in that. And I had a, I had a social worker that I would see, you know, when I was young. And she had a lot of faith in me. And I think she saw some talent. And she always encouraged me. Um, the foster home itself, that was, that was negative. You know, very, very negative people. Lots of materialism, but no... No one really getting to know me and finding out what I wanted to do with my life. But I did move on and go to college, and that was, that was a fairly incredibly inspiring experience. Uh, Cedar Crest College in Allentown, and that just really set a platform for me to succeed. And when I got out of college, when I got out of college, I graduated in 92, the peak of the recession, which was awful. There was no work. 
So I ended up going back to school and getting a master's degree in education. That's when I decided I wanted to pursue teaching. And I did. And long story short, I did become a Philadelphia school district teacher, which was a very good decision for me, but a very challenging situation. It started out wonderful, actually. And then a couple, three, four years into the job, it became very difficult, almost impossible. I was teaching fifth graders one year. And that year was horrible. It was horrible. It was just horrible. I've never seen anything so horrible in all my life. I mean, from the filthiest building I've ever taught in to a first-year principal who didn't know what she was doing to parents who didn't care to children who didn't care. Um, and it felt like they didn't care anyway. We, a drug-infested neighborhood. It was a disaster. It was just an absolute disaster. And I decided that year I needed to get away. And I took a trip to the Caribbeans. And long story short, I met a professional there. And we got into a conversation. And I really just went off about how horrible my life was. And through that conversation, you know, she said to me, you know, you're here. You got away. You escaped. But there is no escape for your children. You know, they're in a drug-infested neighborhood, and their lives don't look too bright. But you had a way out. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, that's true. I mean, how would I feel if I lived in those conditions? Would I be excited about coming to school? Would I want to learn? So through that talk, you know, she said to me, what did you ever think about maybe finding a way to connect with them on a different level? Rather than shoving reading and writing and math, math down their throats, have you ever thought about inspiring them in another way? And I thought, well, this is a Hispanic community, mostly Puerto Rican children, some African-American, but it was predominantly Puerto, Puerto Rican, uh, Latino and community. I thought to myself, well, what, what, what could I do to help them become inspired or excited? I thought, well, they're very excited. They're very proud. In this particular community, they were very proud of their culture. And, you know, I thought, and, you know, the, the businesswoman I was speaking to said, well, have you ever thought about finding a way to connect with them? And I turned around and I said, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to put Puerto Rico in a classroom? How am I supposed to do that? And I stopped right in the middle of what I was saying, and I got an amazing vision. I just saw the tropical island in that classroom. I saw the island of learning. I just saw it. I saw it in those few seconds because I, I do have a, quite an imagination. I'm a visionary. I'm a designer. And I, could, I just saw that classroom transform in those few seconds I was talking to her. And I thought, wow, I wonder if the principal would let me do it because you do have to get the administration on your side and approve some type of environment like that. So I left the trip and I went back and I started shopping around. I was going to dollar stores. I was going online shopping at other stores. And I started slowly putting this classroom together, an island of learning. And my goal was to have it as much culture related for them so that they could identify with it when they were coming to the classroom. I spent all summer developing it. Wow. And that fall, when they came to school, it, it was it was amazing when they walked into that classroom. I could send you of pictures of it. it. I actually sent I sent you boys pictures of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. did you see those? Did you see some of those images? 
A few of them, yeah. And and they will be up um uh I believe in in this the episode. Uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we're we're going to pop them up as you talk about them. And um you know that island hut and the waterfall just the rainforest and it was just it was incredible and what was amazing about it was that when they came to school my children who came from say the philippine islands and my children who were from africa and my children who were from puerto rico i had a couple of children from the british version everyone had an island that they could identify with so when they came to school they just saw themselves and they started they felt better about themselves they had they had a cultural identity that they could relate with and they felt, they just felt great. They felt like they were in a place where it made them feel good about themselves. It was Ms. Love's Island of Learning. I had that going on for two years in that school. And when I was in school with them, we would have writing workshops. That was a part of the curriculum. I sent you boys a picture of a book. One of the couple of the children wrote, they always had me in their books. Miss Love was always one of their characters in their stories. I never told them to do that, but they just, they went and did it. They were just and so touched by you and your yeah. <laughs> message. Well, you know, what made me feel good is that they saw me as a humble person in all the stories they wrote. And that's something that I've always taught. I try to teach people, be humble. Don't get cocky about anything you ever do, no matter how successful you become. We're not here to be better than someone else. We're here to give as much light as we can to someone else. Exactly. And when I saw that happening, that's when I realized that I was being successful. But in their stories that they would write, they, they, they portrayed me in a way I was a humble character. And the first story they wrote was I was on the island all by myself. And they wrote stories about how I made friends. Wow. So, and, they, and, and then they got creative with these magical things that would happen. So this went on for a good two years and I would collect these stories that they would write. And some of my children were foster children too. And I could see the painful lives that they were living. And I could see that they were doing the same thing that I was doing when I was a child. They were writing these stories of hope, you know, and in these stories on this Island. And over a period of time, I started to see that they were really, they really were desperate to become somebody important too, because they were lonely children, just like I was. So I went on a mission to take their ideas and rewrite their stories, because I certainly didn't want to take and plagiarize their work. That's not, that's not appropriate, but right. I wanted to take their concepts and develop a story on my own, and I just... I couldn't remove myself as a character in a story because it just felt so right with everything they did. And as long as they had me as a humble character, I didn't mind being a character. Mm. I didn't want to be a superhero. I didn't want to be all that in a bag of chips. I wasn't out for that. As long as I was the humble woman in the story, then fine. Miss Love could stay in the story. So I wrote it that way. And, um, and I had the, the rainforest and I had the magical geode. I had a child with this magical geode idea that, I, that I, I rewrote it, but I kept the concept of this magical geode just blowing open. I sent you the animation that we put in the animated yeah. version. I mean, that is just, it's incredible. 
the way that came out, the way that developed. So I took their stories and rewrote a story that became mine, but through some of their ideas. And the characters, the children characters, they're the foster children. And I changed their appearance, of course, to protect their rights. And I, I had to change up names. Go, go the ahead. illustration of the children are really cool looking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sabrina and Arthur, I couldn't use their last names. That was illegal, of course. But I could change up their appearances a little bit. But I kept their, I kept their ethnic backgrounds. The, the Asian child, um, the African-American child, the Caucasian child, and the Latino. They were all foster children. And um, now they're adults. And when, they, when I sent this book to them, they just couldn't believe it. They were, I told them when they were younger, I said, I'll write a book someday. You'll see. You'll be there. And I'll find you. Well, how are you going to find us, Miss Love? I'll find you. And, of course, I found them. I found them all through Facebook. Wow. Every one of them. So I reached out to them, and they all got the book when it came out. And it's just, it's just, it's, and that's just giving the light, just spreading the light. And now all of them, I want them to move on and pursue any goal that they have. It's been a, it's been a beautiful journey. And it's amazing that it did happen in Philadelphia. It's, we have the worst reputation probably in the USA in terms of our performance in the school district. It's, you know, we do get beat down a lot in the media. Um, you don't hear many positive stories, although the Daily News did write a beautiful story about my work and a story that I just told you on the Island of Learning in the school district. The, the Daily News is, is one of the nation's leading newspapers, and they did pick up my story and write about it wow. when this book came out. So. I'm very grateful that some positive stories are told, but we don't have enough positive stories in our school district being told. So you don't know how much it means to me that you're taking time out to, to hear how this all unraveled because back in 2014, this was a Kindle animated story and now it has come out hardcover as a, wow. as a classical story. Um, you know, when we were younger, we had those big books with the, all of the illustrations tied into a chapter book. And now here mm -hmm. it is. And to bring this back, into children's literature, you know, has just been, and that was my goal to bring back those bigger classical books that children loved when I was growing up. I just loved them so much. And they went out, of course, publishing companies didn't want to, didn't print them anymore. It became very expensive to produce, but I put myself in a position. I worked hard through my life to make sure I would have enough money to work with a company and a company would hopefully love the work. And they did baby book, baby did fall in love with it. And they offered me a contract so that we could, bring back um, that bridge book where the chapters still have those colorful animations and colorful illustrations too. What has some of the, uh, the feedback you've gotten from the book? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I get a lot of feedback on, on various levels. I've gotten feedback from nursing homes, from people wow. who are older, who just love the sounds from the animated version. It's just very soothing to them and they feel like there's peace at the end of the story and I, I met an older woman she was she passed away three years ago but when she saw the animated version and she read it she felt like she was okay to to let go and go to heaven wow 
And I said to myself, at first I thought to myself, and then I said to her, what would make you feel like that? Why would you feel like you were okay to let go? What part of the story? And she says, well, why are you sad, Miss Love? You know, we're all going to go like, we all have to leave the world. You can't feel bad about that. She said, I just felt like the children at the end of the story found that haven, that safe haven. And she says, that's where I want to go. I'm ready. Wow. And she died three days later after she said that to me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. I, I, so I, I, I've, I've, had, I've had such, um, you know, journeys through all this. And that's, that was back when it came out animated, you know, about back in 2014. And then I got an email from a fan who saw a story of me in the Northeast Times. And she sent me an email and um, she said to me, I just love this book to come out hardcover. If you could ever do it, I'd be the first one to buy it. And I thought, oh, I don't know. That's, that's a journey. And that's a riskful journey. It's a lot involved. People don't realize how hard it is to come out hardcover. First of all, to even find companies out there who will produce you hardcover. It's money, it's time, and it's a skill. A lot of companies don't produce them because it's, it's a trade that a lot of people don't have a talent to do. And I, I must have knocked on doors of a lot of companies, and I kept getting the same, amp, an, same answer. Uh, soft cover is all we do. Soft cover is all we do. Sure, we'll publish it, soft cover. But my fans didn't want it. They had the vision for hardcover, and now that it's out, hardcover, and when the first time I saw first proof in my hands, hardcover, I knew why they were coming in that direction. That beautiful classical feeling, I don't know if you – I'm sure you had a chance to take a look at the photographs of it that I sent you of the book, hardcover. It is just – it just takes you back to when we were children and we held the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we held – those stories from our ch- our childhood of those classical Walt Disney stories, it's it's just so there. And soft cover is not the answer for this book. Hard cover was the answer, and it was a real blessing when Book Baby came along and said, "This is it. We'll pick you up. We're we're going with you, Miss Love. Let's do it." And it took him about a year and ten, uh, close to it was about a year, a little over a year of designing it you know, getting the, the teams to work together to produce this. And um, Journey will just, we'll, ne- we'll never regret. A book Baby will never regret it. I'll never regret it. I can't speak highly enough of that company as a publisher. And there was no way I could do it on my own. I had to find a publisher to pick up this book, Hardcovers. And when it came out hardcover and I went to my first book signing, I don't have words for that experience. That experience was in Newtown, Council Rock School District. And it was the first time, first hardcover out there meeting children. And Newtown, of course, is one of the leading school districts in the country. And I got an offer to come and do a signing there for an event. And it was a multicultural event. We were celebrating cultures all around the world. And, um, Started out a little slow. You know, I saw people going to eat food first. You know, so people do. They went to start eat food. And um, I heard them, you know, dancing and carrying on. And 
next thing I know, I, I look up and I see a little girl in the distance and just beautiful. And she smiled at me from a distance. She, she slowly walked. I could see her slowly walking over to me as if her body was saying, is it, her body language was saying, is it okay if I come talk to you? She was a little shy. So I stood up and I put my arms out, you know, kind of opening myself up to her. And she walked about two thirds of the way and then she dashed the rest of the way. And Whoa. she came over to me. She ran around, the t- ran around across the table. She said, I want to be a writer. And she Whoa. hugged me so tight. And I, I signed my book for her, and it was, it was just so exciting. I had my picture taken with her, and she talked to me, and she opened up the book, and she was so inspired by it. And it just made me feel like everything I've, everything I've been through, for one second, for one second, when she hugged me and I looked her in her eyes, for one second, I did see Lucy. I did see the I did see Lucy. I did see the woman who passed away for just a second, wow. smiling at us. Mm. Wow. Because you know that was my first inspiration, and she went to she went to heaven. But when I met this little girl, I almost felt like Lucy sent her to me. Just felt like that. You know what? I believe I one hundred percent believe that. I wouldn't doubt it for a second. And if if she didn't send her to me, she was just smiling because I could see her face. Yeah. I could just see Lucy's face smiling. So I chatted with this little girl for a little bit, and she told me about her, her big ambition to become a writer. And I said, you know, one of the things I told her, I held her hands, and I said, there's always going to be an obstacle. There's always going to be someone telling you you can't do it. I said, but you can't listen to that, no matter who it is, even if it's your family. Because it, it will not be easy. It won't be. And I said, but if you believe in yourself and you say you stay focused and you stay in school and you get your education, you're going to become a very good writer. You need the skills. But just remember, there's always a mountain you're going to have to climb. But when you get to the top of the mountain and you fly, you'll never regret it. She was so thrilled to have met me. And I, and I pray for that little girl every day. Awesome. And, and, you know, and after she flew out of the event with the book and, you know, other people came along and, I made sales that day and I met, I met wonderful people. And I just felt inside of myself that day that it was the very beginning of this hardcover coming out. And, um, it was just actually just about a month ago that it happened. This book has hardcover has not been out long. It just hit the stores January 19th at Barnes and Noble. And, um, that's, I've only had one event. That was the first event at the Newtown school. And I'm now making plans for some libraries here in, in, in Abington. So it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. And I can't, I just don't have words for encouraging people to, no matter how tough it gets, you just have to keep moving. You have to keep moving around the negative energy because there will be negative energy that you will encounter and it will try to stop you, but you have to forge ahead. Yeah, that's what I love so much about the story with the young girl is you were honest with her. You didn't tell her it's going to be the easiest path in the world. You told her, no, there's going to be struggles and mountains you have to climb. And I really want to commend you for that because it would have been wrong of you to just say, 
you're going to be the next, you know, J.K. Rowling. There's, it's never going to be hard at all. But you were honest, and that's really awesome of you to do that for her. Well, I think that, I think that that helps set someone up for success. It doesn't exactly. make them feel anxious or worried because now that she knows that, she's going to get strength inside of herself to go climb that mountain. You know, and I hope that, and I gave her light, so the light's going to show the way. That's what you have to do, and that's all a part of being a humble person. I could have been egotistical and kept my secrets of my success to myself, but I didn't, and I don't want to do that. Exactly. I want to give her that light and that strength and all that understanding of what lies ahead of her so that she will face it and expect it. And when you expect the obstacle, you'll prepare for it. So, and now when she makes it, she'll pass it on to someone else and they'll make it. And the more people who make it in the world, the better the world becomes. And I feel that that's what we all need to be working to be doing rather than throwing all this hate around. You know, it takes, it's a lot, um, it's harder to hate than it is to love. You know, it's, it's easier to say something nice to someone than it is to say something negative. Well, I think what, I think it's really hard for people to spread love because you have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You have to be, a, you have to put your love out there. And sometimes when people do that, they get rejected, even in, even in ways that are subtle and kind, they get rejected. So it's a risk to put, your, to put love out there, to put light out there, to, to spread peace, to spread hope, to spread encouragement. A lot of it gets torn down. And the person who gets torn down feels terrible. And then they don't want to try again and put it out there again. But you just have to realize that each time you get torn down, let it light another candle inside of you. Mm. So, so you're just stronger the next time you get out there. And there's always someone you will encounter who will blow out your light, and then there's someone who will take the candle and pass it on. So that's the reason why a lot of people don't love, because they are afraid. Mm. And it shows a part of their emotion they don't want other people to see. You know, that's why a lot of people don't give gratitude or don't express their gratitude because it takes love to do that. And they don't want to be seen that way. They're afraid they're going to get hurt that way. So it's, it's easier to spread the hate. It really is. It's I, easier yeah. to just be negative sometimes. Well, I guess that's just because of my mindset. It's easier for me to want to encourage someone than to discourage them. Like when I worked with, you know, the, teenagers and kids in my church I always wanted to be real and to be an encouragement to them right well you know if you've had a lot of experience with children you're built that way yeah and we're, we're almost trained that way but a lot of people who don't work with children and and aren't really focused on that seeding encouragement in a child and they're coming from a different path and a different occupation. They're coming from a more competitive world. And sometimes if you're coming from a competitive world, sometimes then you need that person to be under you so that you are succeeding and moving ahead and uh, achieving that higher platform, that higher podium that you're, you're going for. 
So I think it just all depends on how you're brought up and what ex- what occupation you're coming from and how you perceive how you perceive yourself, but also how confident you are. Confident people are going to feel and react the way you just did. But we have a lot of insecure people out there, so many insecure people out there, and it's very easy for, for them to put someone else down because that makes them feel better about themselves yeah. when you're insecure. Yeah. And we have more insecure than confident out there. Yep. You can't see my head right now, but I'm I'm nodding in agreement. So much so. And I, I've got to, I, I do have to ask this, Miss Love. Would you say that, that you are living your destiny? I, I think, I think I've been living my destiny probably from the day I was born, but didn't realize it. You know, I think yeah. that my entire life was meant to be. I think this was, I'm a very spiritual woman, and I think the Holy Spirit had it planned out. Amen. And I, and I just maybe didn't see it right away. But now as I look back, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't trade anything. Even for the hardship as a child, I wouldn't trade it. You know, I've reconnected with my sister that I hadn't been connected with for so long, and it's it's been a a beautiful connection and a beautiful family that I've gotten back. And, um, you know, I'm looking back and I'm seeing a lot of beacons of light of people who, who helped me get where I, where I am. And maybe there wasn't the love I needed as a child. It just came back in other ways. And it has set me in a, in a path that was always meant to be, but I always followed my inside heart. I always followed my dream. I always followed what I felt the spirit was telling me to do. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost. They start listening to, you know, the big shot, or they start listening to someone who's steering them in a path of all about materialism and money, rather than a person who is steering them and finding out who you really are and what you really want to do. And let, let that little light inside of you, that light that I'm talking about, that's your spirit. Yeah. That's what you let lead you. Mm, mm. you are you are and i i say this you are a fire starter (laughs) you you are a candle lighter you are a fire starter and oh thank you you're welcome just the way that you talk you're you're such a blessing um thank you so much it's so wonderful to hear Uh, i did not hear that when i was a child it's so wonderful to hear somebody call me a blessing (laughs) i would have loved to have heard that as a child but it's so thank you so much for calling me a blessing you're welcome. You're welcome. I know, uh, for one, you know, I, I, this is honestly, I, I, this is the easiest and yet most inspiring podcast I've ever done. Cause I'm just sitting here listening <laughs> and, and I, I, I have to tell you that, um, just everything that you're saying and speaking about is just, it's resonating. Um, and it's, it's, it's moving. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like the spirit is moving through you and, and out into your phone and, and into everybody's speakers and, and just, um, it's definitely plant. It will, this will definitely plant seeds in people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I hope so. I hope that, you know, they find 
find something about themselves to start with that they feel good about and just go with that feeling because it starts with you feeling good about you. And you have to work every day at that. I think. You do have to work every day at it, but I also feel like you also have to open up your, open up your heart to connecting with people who appreciate you and let those people in, let them get close to you and let them share in your journey. It's also about alignment with people who appreciate you, just like listening to you and, and then having you call me a blessing. That's an alignment now in my life. And that's, that, that's, that means so much to me that now I just want to go find the next mountain and go climb it. Cause that means a lot to me, but you know, you've been aligned in my life for some reason. And, you know, and I hope that maybe we have a future. There may be other pods, there may be other times we talk, yes, you know, ma'am. but it's all about people. Also be careful about your alignments in your life because they can make a huge difference for you in a great way and also in a devastating way. So follow your intuition, follow what's speaking to you inside and try not to let the outside influences tell you who to connect with because you know what's best for you. You know what's going to help you grow. Goodness, goodness, goodness. I think we're in church tonight. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm in church so much. I just want to sound like um, I'm giving advice to people that's going to help you go forward and not backward. That's all. I think me and Larry are two church-going boys. Yeah. That's how oh, we yeah? met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's and how we met. You know, that's... You met in church? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. 20, over 20 years ago in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, that's the thing. I, and see, that's the good thing about what you're saying. And, but that's an even better thing because people that are listening to this right now, it will resonate either as a faith-based or a motivation or just, just get out there and you just got to do it. And, you know, that's the thing. Well, one, one of the things that I want to make clear on people who relate as a faith-based, I do not belong to an organized religion. I, I, I stay away from that. I, I mean, I do believe in God and I do believe in the Holy Spirit. I do believe in heaven. I believe in all of that. But organized religion is not for me. I, mm. I'm very much into following the Holy Spirit. Okay. And there's, and I, and I do that, but you know, it's not, I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm here to preach or, uh, or anything like that. It's, it's not about that. It's about finding you inside of you. Okay. And that's, that can be done on so many different levels. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I tell you, you know, that, and, and, and I absolutely understand where you're coming from because, you know, because it's some of the things, you know, that, that people stand for and try to, to push things on to other people. Um, but, 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 in the same, but in the same sentence, you can always tell when somebody is speaking truthful about who they are and how they feel and about their God, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. But it, it, I can hear it and I can feel it just as well. And, and, you know, we didn't have to get in this conversation, but I'm glad we are, you know? No, definitely. I mean, you asked me about my journey and my journey and what people need to understand about book authors is that our journeys are very personal and they're very emotional. I mean, we, uh, we have very emotional times, you know, when we're working with our editors 
And yet the editor, well, this plot in our story was, it was written six times. I mean, I had five failing for plots before it. it. You know, so there's so much that we go through as authors. It's it's not an easy road. It, it, you're going to go up and down, and it's a lot that you go through to to get to the end. It's not what you just, you know, oh, we're going to write, write a book, a piece of cake. It's not. It's a lot of sacrifice. You ask any author out there, it's a lot of sacrifice. But it just has to be something that you know is right for you. And when you know something's right for you, you go after it. You're going to do, you're just, you're never going to quit when you know what's right for you. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, like I, I, to me, I think all artists, whether you're um, an author, whether you're a a musician, um, whether you're an actor or a a dancer or a filmmaker, I think everybody kind of goes through, you know, because this is, I mean, this is your baby and everything we do as as artists those are our babies but but not only that that's our true self that that is that would is outwardly speaking and so it's and i understand it's super hard um uh to go there and and to let to let other people um try to look at it objectively when you're like but i don't want you to really look at it objectively i want you to just do what i say Right. And because right. I know I know the best. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's and see, now we're getting into like like the the um, like the part of the podcast where I, I, I think in, in my heart of hearts and Eric, you may agree with me. I'm not sure. But I think we should have you back on because you have done such an amazing yeah, job uh, of of telling us about your journey and your book. Um, and your life. Oh, I would, I would, I would love to, you know, have an ongoing rapport with you, you gentlemen. I mean, it's just been, it's, it's been a wonderful experience to, you know, to share with you. And I just hope that anyone who's listening, you know, they feel inspired to, to go after something they've always wanted to go after. But also understand that when you pursue a project, it, it's the tool, it's the vehicle to reach other people, and that's what I feel is happening. Like when I met the little girl, like when I met Lucy in a nursing home, it, it has been something that I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to do so that I could reach other people and share some peace with them or inspire them in some way or, or offer them comfort. People tell me the story brings them comfort when my story is actually filled with a lot of scary moments and a lot of difficulty and a lot of challenges and a, and a lot of, even the children argued in the story. You know, but for some reason, they found peace throughout that work and just made them feel calm. And they just felt like they tell me things about how they feel about at the end of the story. And I wonder how they got to that place. But because you've been through your life and your experiences, you're going to bring your life experiences to my children's book. It's going to affect everyone differently. Absolutely. So a lot of people say it brings them peace and a lot of people say it brings them, you know, fantasies. And that's why a lot of my fans say, you know, oh, this should be an animated film. They, and I do have a vision for that. I, I, do, I do see this children's book as a movie someday, if that's what is meant to be. You know, I follow what's meant to be. Yeah. I try to do what the Spirit tells me to do. 
You know, I kind of read that, that feel that energy around me, what I should do. I, I read my energy and I feel like if that energy is telling me to go towards that movie, then go toward it. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, there's definitely a future here for this children's work and I want to reach as many people as I can. And I just want them to know that, you know, don't get shattered. Don't get wow. shattered. You know, just, just, just rise, but find somebody out there, even if it's just one person to get by your side, someone to talk to, there's gotta be somebody, you know? So, and I did it. I was a foster child. I made it. So that's for all the foster children out there. You know, we're born survivors. So we want everybody else to come through too. So whatever you create in your life, it's your, it's your vehicle. It's your tool. Just like, just like all those famous artists out there through their music, they, they've affected so many people's lives. Their music did it. Their artistry, their creation did it. And they'll tell you the stories of people who have gotten in touch with them and have told them stories about how their songs changed their lives or how their song did this or that for them. So it's just like me. I'm an artist. I created the children's book. I want my book to affect people's lives just like, just like the famous people out there all their fans calling in about their songs and how it's changed, how it's affected them. So we're not, we don't become artists because we want to become big shots. No, we want to help other people and we do it through our artistry. And I think that is the perfect way to end the show this week. Miss Love, thank you so much for coming on. When we sign off, don't hang up because we like to do a wrap up with the guest. Okay. Um, the link to your webpage will be in the description of this video. Everyone go out and buy the book. If, you don't, have, if yeah. you don't have kids, buy it for your nieces and nephews, buy a copy and donate it to your library. If buy they don't have copies. one, buy four copies, buy multiple copies. That's right. And, and just real quick, the, the links will be in, um, in the link, uh, of the description. Um, but you can get it at iBooks, Amazon, and also Barnes and Noble. Please, and also and also Book Baby. Oh, and Book okay. Baby. The, yeah, all those Ms. links will be it. Yeah, Miss Love's Mystical Island Adventure. Yes, yes, and I, I just again, I want to 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 say right now, personally, I I want to have you back on, and I want you to talk about the creative side of of. Oh, awesome! That, oh, oh, Lord, have mercy! Yeah. Oh, I've got a story there. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. That's why exactly we need to have you back on. But I oh, just so. thank you for for uh, sharing yourself and and being an inspiration and a light. So thank you very much. Well, thank you both for having me. And everyone have a happy and safe weekend.